Welcome to Adding Fuel to the Hire, a podcast for hiring managers and job seekers across all types of dealerships. With over 20 years collective recruitment experience, Rowan, Tony and Phil draw upon their knowledge to help you navigate through the recruitment and job hunt process. For more information, head to our website, addingfueltothehire.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. I'm your host this week, Rowan Coe, and with me I have Tony Flynn and Phil Lysiter today. All three of us are here. How's it going, Tony? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. And how are you, Phil? Good, Ro. How are you going? Good, good. This week we've got the first part of a two-part series on our podcast uh, talking about the salary trends of agricultural truck and earth-moving equipment dealerships. So, Every year, Team Recruit, our company, puts together a bit of a report and commentary around the salary that, uh, you know, uh, the trends that happened over the previous 12 months. So what we're going to do is going to talk through all of those and uh, some of the main positions that we uh, that we recruit for and, and some general um, topics as well around what we've seen over the last 12 months. So uh, stick with us for the next couple of weeks. We're going to split that episode into two uh, and we'll go through each of those positions uh, as we go from there. So... For now, here is the first part of the episode. This financial year was a, a bit of a different one. Uh, started off pretty strong, I think, <laughs> the first half, and then, uh, yeah, it kind of went a bit downhill from there um, with uh, coronavirus and bushfires and all those sort of things. So, um, Tony, what have you seen over the last 12 months, just in just general overall uh, thoughts around the employment market in dealerships? Yeah, I think... Uh you know, when we're not talking about specific positions, the, the main one is just the average employer becoming more aware of the market and understanding that they do have to offer more than just a money thing. Um, it's got to be, you know, we've seen a couple of uh, good ones with clients with techs, you know, on a four-day work week, four days on, four days off, or seven days on, seven days off, just different things here and there that, you know, beyond just money. I know it's probably counterproductive to what we're talking about today, which is purely just money, but the, the biggest trend would just be, I suppose, companies becoming uh, more awake to those sorts of things and, and understanding that, you know, they do have to offer more than just your, your typical salary package. A package is now really that. It, it's a whole package of, of tons of different things. And uh, Phil, what do you think uh, candidates are thinking in these uncertain times around coronavirus? You know, are they... Are they staying in jobs or are they out there looking? What's it look like? Yeah, so at the moment, uh, particularly in our industries, I've found there haven't been too many uh, redundancies from the dealership side of things. I know quite a few OEMs have made uh, people redundant. Um, But from what I've heard, a lot of the people who I was speaking to, particularly as this sort of was starting to evolve, um, they sort of said, look, I was looking at moving before, but I'm not going to move now because it's just too uncertain. Um, everyone's very worried about the uncertainty of what's going to happen. Um, you know, a lot of the people we deal with, um, as we all know, are people who are happy in their role. Um, they're happy with where they are. They're happy with their their salary and that sort of thing. They're also just looking for that, you know, that perfect opportunity. Mm. And um, so a lot of them have been putting that off, I think, just to see it through. Um, I think a lot of people have got the attitude of, I'm just happy I've got a job. Yeah. Because um, I know there's been a lot of redundancies in the automotive sector. Um, so I think a lot of people are sitting ducks at the moment thinking, okay, I'm just going to, you know, weather, weather the storm really yeah, and uh, trying it through it so that when we come out of this, when there is a hiring spree again, which hopefully will happen, um, I'll have good chances. Yeah. And I think also it's uh, in the back of their mind, they're thinking, you know, oh, well, if the situation becomes more unstable mm. 
and the new company is going to make redundancies. It is going to be a matter of you know, last in, in, yeah. last, in uh, yeah. last in, first out kind of situation. So correct, you know, you're it's a bit risky to to be that person. Um, especially exactly. in these times. So, yeah, I've seen that as well, candidates, a little bit uh, hesitant to make a change. Um, and, you know, as we're recording this in the middle of July, uh, you know, we're seeing that, uh, you know, with Victoria and New South Wales starting to pick up again with the second wave, we're starting to see a little bit of a slowdown as well mm. with candidates relocating interstate. So, That's right, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that and see what happens in the future. So That's it, yeah, especially for us where we've got so many candidates that are relocating a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I know I have a candidate who's up in Queensland who's going for a role in Victoria and he's been trying to go for that role since February, yeah. I think. About a week before coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's just on hold at the moment. And that's I think that's what a lot of people are in who are still looking to, to move. But those people are often looking to move not necessarily for the role, um, but for the location. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get into some of the positions that we um, – that we our most common positions that we recruit. It's the ones that we can comment most on because we work on them pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, so – I might start with the uh, the headliner, <laughs> uh, which is diesel mechanics and technicians. Um, you know, if we if we took on every diesel mechanic inquiry that we got a phone call about, we'd have you know what five hundred jobs. Or something. <laughs> there, there is a lot of people looking for yes, diesel mechanics, uh, and there's correct. just not enough enough of them in the industry, is there? That's it. Yeah, that's the problem. So, um, I think the trade just wasn't made attractive enough over the last few years, um, and there's just not enough people around now, not enough people went into the trade about 10 years ago. And so um, there's a good lack of um, decent diesel mechanics with a couple of years of post-trade experience under their belt. Um, so that's what everyone's looking for. And that's a really good point. And I graduated high school 10 years ago this year. Um, so I'm probably in that age bracket where we're now seeing the biggest, uh, I suppose, shortage of them. And I know for a fact that mechanics was just not something ever discussed by our school um, and all my friends from different schools as well, it was really, you, you did an OP subject and if you weren't doing OP, it was really carpenter, electrician, plumber. Yep. Um, I could, yeah, hand on heart, probably count the number of mechanics I know coming out of school on one hand. Yeah. Um, me too, but there's no fingers on that hand. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said that, I thought actually it's, it's two, I can count two that I'm aware of. Um, and they came from families that were involved in automotive yep. in some capacity. So um, yeah, the shortage is real. That's right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, as a flow on effect from that, we've seen the salary, um, increase over the last few years. Um, I know we did one of these salary trends obviously for last year as well. And, um, it's sort of been a fairly similar picture this year. Um, again, salaries have increased, um, across metro areas. Um, I would say maybe Adelaide, you get away with the lowest, Pay rate, you probably still get away with the low 30s yep. um, an hour, that is. So maybe like a 32, 33. Um, but outside of that, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, you're at least looking at $35 an hour now. Sydney and Melbourne, you probably have to add another 2 or $3 usually on top of Brisbane, to be honest. Yeah, uh, and maybe you, even Sydney a bit more. Yeah, if yeah. you really want to be competitive yep. um, because, you know, they're big places. There's just as little mechanics around and, you know, living expenses are obviously significantly higher. Yep. Um, so you need to keep those things in mind. Um, when it comes to regional areas, you've got some very big disparities. So you can go from, I've seen $25 an hour yep. and I have seen $55 an hour yeah. So uh, and, and anything in between there. So um, it really depends on the region. If you're in a, if you're NWA, 
and you're unfortunately in a mining area, you're going to struggle to get anyone below $40 an hour. Um, you really need to come to the table with a mid-40s offer for, for a good mechanic because at the end of the day, a lot of them will be thinking, unless they absolutely love, for example, agriculture, a lot of them will be thinking, look, if I'm working away from home, mm-hmm. I might as well go into the mines, you know. And that's unfortunately sort of been the mindset. So um, 45 is probably what you're looking at in those sort of mining heavy regions. Um, outside of that, I think th- very high 30s is, is, is probably competitive. So $37, $38 an hour. Um, we're even starting to go, I found, into the 40s um, with a lot of guys, even around Queensland, even in non-mining heavy areas. Yeah, we've had a couple recently. Yeah, yeah, I had a few. I had a um, couple in central Queensland, uh, not even in mining areas, in town, like in Mackay and that sort of thing. They're on $40 an hour now. And that's um, becoming more common now. So um, those salaries are definitely continuing to increase. It's not just me saying that. There's, um, yeah. that's, that that's definitely still happening. And that's the the push from, uh, you know, external factors of, you know, not having enough in the pool and mining and those sort of things, picking up and, and taking those staff. So that does push up the rates. Yeah, it really is the perfect storm. I think if you took mining out of it altogether, you'd still have a major supply and demand issue. Um, but then you add yeah, you add mining into it and it really is just the perfect storm at the moment. That's right, yeah. So I'll move on to um, sort of my area that I work in, which is the uh, one of the areas is, is the senior management and general management um, area and what I've seen over the last 12 months. So uh, we've sort of split this into a branch manager level, somebody who might be managing a, at one particular dealership, maybe one or two yep. uh, with a small team. Uh, versus then we've got the uh, the general management vacancies that I've worked on, which have been more company wide, mm. managing the whole business unit, and uh, you know taking full responsibility for the P and L, for example. So that that's how I'm going to split this yep. uh, this up. But in terms of branch manager vacancies, or in terms of both of these roles, we've seen a significant increase in the number of positions that we've worked on over the last twelve months. So. Um, I don't have the number in front of me, but I'd, I'd say at least double what we had the year before. Yeah. Um, branch managers in particular at agricultural dealerships, truck dealerships regionally mm, uh, has yeah. been something that I've had a lot. Uh, a few. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's uh, some of those roles have have been a dual role where they've uh, incorporated maybe a sales management aspect mm. or, or sales. So, you know, they've they've taken a sales manager and a branch manager and combined the position together. Might be after sales. There's a few different options there. But yeah. those branch manager level roles we, we have seen a lot of. And yeah. in terms – and so probably wouldn't see any of those roles in a metro area. They're all sort of regional-based. And, uh, and those roles we've seen across truck and – agricultural predominantly. So those yeah. two types of dealerships, we've sort of seen those ones uh, paying anywhere sort of between 80 to 110, 120 as a base salary. Uh, from there you've got uh, incentives. Uh, mm. So incentives for those roles are generally around profitability. So, you know, how how's the, the branch as a whole performing yeah. and then you'll reward them from there. Um, geographical location does dictate and, and um, move that Variance. So, yeah. um, you know, if you're in a remote remote area or you have to provide housing, that can bump that up. So, I guess you could consider anything between sort of eighty and one hundred and thirty, maybe as a base, depending on your location. Um, but we have had success in finding those people. So those people are out there. I think that one comes down more to networking mm. than it does to actually, you know, just putting it out there into the job market. Yeah. So having those people. 
uh, you know, already that you've networked. So if you're looking for those people, either engage a specialist recruiter or start building your network to find those people yourself um, is the best way to find those people. Yep. In terms of the more senior general manager roles, again, we've had quite a few of these and a lot of these we don't actually advertise um, because of our database. So we do, you know, if you're a, at the senior level and you want to hear about these positions, definitely register your details with a specialist recruiter because often that can be the only way that you'll hear about these yeah. opportunities. Usually strictly confidential at exactly, that level. Yeah. And, yeah. In fact, the last three senior GM CEO positions that I worked on, I didn't write a job ad for Yeah, uh, because I just called the candidates that I knew would be suitable uh, and talked to them about the opportunity. So yeah. network there is extremely important and, and it's hard to give – salary information around those positions because the tasks and responsibilities vary so wi- yeah. widely. Um, so, but look, anywhere between sort of 150 and 250 is sort of what I've seen over the last 12 months. Um, obviously it depends on the size of the business as well. So, um, but yeah, again, having that network and being able to tap into connections is a really good way of finding good people in those positions. Yeah. And, and without having worked on, them much at all. I've done a couple of branch manager roles as they've kind of come up, but I think from my perspective with branch managers, it's really, if you're not doing incentives, um, you're really behind the eight ball now. Uh, I know I'm working on one currently and, and anyone I've spoken to has just said, you know, what's the incentive structure? Um, cause if there's not one there, then they're not going to be interested. They, they want to be able to increase their earning capacity based on their performance. And, and without that ability that they're just not interested. Yeah, yeah. I found those sort of higher senior management roles tend to be the ones that are the most, um, oh, what's the best way of putting it? They're the most personalized to the business, I suppose, because mm. um, we've seen so many different constellations and so many different ways of making those up. I had that one that was an operations manager, so technically overlooking you know, the general operations of a business, but he was also branch managing the branch he was stationed at. Mm. Um, so there was so many elements to the role and you know, a technician a lot of the time, you know, you're doing work in the workshop, you're doing work in the fields, and then you might be doing some other work as well. But generally speaking, that's what you do. And that's why the salaries here are so different because you're often, they're so personalized. It's just hard to give one specific number and say, this is it. Yeah. And I know we're talking about salary here, but with these general management roles, you know, a theme that comes up often when I'm interviewing these people is that they might actually be on more salary than this role's paying mm. that I'm talking to them about, but what they're actually looking for is a challenge or yeah. an opportunity mm. or something to get their teeth into. It's not always about the money. You know, a lot of these people will, you know, happily drop twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars on their salary to get into a role that if there's incentives there as well, you know, that could potentially in five years earn them more than where they are now. But it's yeah. more about the challenge of building something, taking something from where it is now to a larger business or something like that. Yeah, because a lot of these senior managers, they've, you know, they've paid their house off. They've Money is not the be-all and end-all to them now. It's really, as Rowan said, just what's going to keep me engaged. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about parts, Tony. Uh, that's your area of expertise. You're our parts man. So why don't you talk about... Uh, Tell us about parts managers. What have you seen over the last 12 months there? Yeah, so I think this time last year when we were putting this together, I, I came up with the figure based on our statistics that uh, if you weren't paying 75000 um, for a parts manager role, you are going to really struggle. Um, and I've taken a lot of jobs on in excess of 30 or 40 in the last uh, financial year that have been around that mark. And I'd have to say that it's definitely shifted to 80K now would be the bare minimum. 
Um, sure, you can find people for less than that, and I'm sure there'll be people that are listening to this that have recently, but you are playing a game of luck. Um, 80K now really is the minimum to even get people interested in relocating for your role um, or beyond, you know, your direct competitors in town. Uh, 80K is, is where it has to be at, at a minimum, but we've seen as high as 120K. Um, that was obviously for a metro role. So that that scale obviously changes depending on whether it's regional or metro, but 80K regionally is the bare minimum. Um, I'd say 90 plus would be bare minimum for metro. Um, but the biggest one for me... Um, Incentives is another one that you just you now have to have incentives around that parts department, whatever the profitability is of that parts department. Um, but the biggest one for me that I've seen this year, I hinted at it this time last year, saying that it was starting to become a trend, but now I'd say it's just black and white, is the fact you need to offer a vehicle to parts managers. Uh, the percentage of companies that have now got vehicles for parts managers is far too high to not do it because you're just, you know, you, you're cutting out a, decent chunk of the market by not having them. Um, I would say if I had to put a figure on it, at least 70% of the candidates I've spoken to in the last financial year have said uh, they're not interested, there's no vehicle um, just because they've got one currently and they're not looking to obviously move jobs and then also have to fork out money for that. So um, yeah, take home would be 80K plus a vehicle is the bare minimum you could probably get now to actually entice people away. And how are you finding people? Are there plenty of people in the market for new positions? What was what did it look like over the last 12 months in terms of availability? Yeah, so similar to what Phil alluded to um, at the start of this episode, you know, if you asked me that same question six months ago, I would have said, you know, great, um, plenty of options, a lot of people in the market around that price range. Um, but there is the now added challenge of, uh, I suppose, enticing people away when, uh, you know, there's that fear of redundancy dangling over people's heads with the economy. So that is by far the biggest challenge at the moment, but it probably just reiterates more the importance of getting your salary on point. Because um, if, you know, if you've got that challenge and then you're also paying well below market rates, then you're really, really going to struggle finding people. And beyond, you know, the options in town, you just, you're not going to find them. So it's really just yeah, getting that salary right now. And people are still looking. Like I've, I've submitted something like 15 parts managers in the last two weeks just for two separate roles that I'm working for at the moment. So they're definitely still out there. It's just that there's that reluctance now. So you do have to make sure you're on point. And I think that's a good spot to end it uh, this week for our first part of the uh, series in our salary trends uh, discussion. So join us again next week where we'll go through some more positions and some general topics around salary trends from the last 12 months. So thanks for your time, Tony and Phil, and we'll talk to you again next week. See you then. See you then. Thank you for listening to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear us talk about a particular topic, why not send us an email at podcast at addingfueltothehire.com. If you like what we do and would like to support our podcast, please leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. For further information, please visit our website, addingfueltothehire.com.